כי לישועתך קיוויתי השם, ברוך הבא בשם אדוני, גאה ישראל. May be soon in our days that we see our king face to face, Mashiach, Yeshua HaMashiach, coming on the clouds of glory with the building of the double-decker temple. (laughs) It's hard to say real fast. But yes, that's my prayer. Double-decker temple. Uh, The the third temple, which may be soon in our days established, that comes from Shemaim, is the two temples put together, one on top of the other, and uh, surrounded by walls of fire with the new Yerushalayim. Don't believe me? Then check this out. We're going to go ahead and source that out. So this is going to come from um, Shavile Pinchas. It's also going to come from Zechariah. And let's see where else this is going to come from. There's a whole bunch of stuff to really put together here. But uh, yeah. So here's how we're going to start. We're going to start from Bavakama 60B. So by the way, I'm Shomer Man. Welcome to the podcast. We're headed towards Akaron Shel Chag Hamatzot, Akaron Shel Pesach, Mela Mashiach, parting of the Yom Suf, final day of Pesach, uh, and the festival of Matzot, the festival of unleavened bread, putting the matzah in our mouth and watching God's glory come out. That's what we doing. So anyway, um, I wanted to really make sure I sweep the rest of my bases that I really wanted to cover and uh, go over some of the three days things, the sign of Jonah, when's the festival of first fruits. Just so happens a lot of people were saying happy resurrection day on a Yom Rishon, but it was three days late. <laughs> so had we been looking for Yeshua at the tomb, we really would have missed him and been like, oh, he raised. It's like, no, it was three days ago. But anyway, uh, clearing all that up. But let's start with the temple, shall we? Because that's another thing. Believers and the Messiah. We have to know we're headed towards temple service. If we didn't know, now we know, we know, to quote the previously modern prophet of Notorious B.I.G. If you don't know, now you know. But anyway, may he rest in shalom and his memory be blessed. And may he experience uh, being attached to Hashem. Baruch Hashem. Uh, as I think about what I just said on that, because, you know, he wasn't like a sage or anything, but according to the urban hip-hop world, he was. But to just think, his sins are no different from our sins. I mean, it doesn't matter how much Torah we observe when you really get down to the to the roots of everything. How can we consider ourselves any better than Notorious B.I.G., Big Pun, or uh, not Big Pun, Big Papa? You know, um, that's what that's another name he's called. So I'm giving everybody a little crash course in rap, I guess, (laughs) from the 90s, because that's so recent. But anyway, um, I say that because, you know, we should always be looking at other people from a humble standpoint. If I did no coincidence, because that's not a Hebrew word, that Rabbi Griffin, Captain Yisrael, went over the fact in the Aliyah a day for the second reading of Parsha Shemini, lower still. Like, that's how we need to be. Low. Like, in competition with the slugs, we need to be as low as the the rising of the matzah, which is barely anything. <laughs> uh, you know, comparing a matzah to like a, a CD or a DVD, you know, just... It's like, okay, which one's uh, which one's higher than the other, right? 
but anyway, uh, so yeah, I just, I just think it's so incredible if we start doing that for other people, people who are Jewish, people who are not Jewish, it doesn't matter. People who are bluish, whitish, greenish, yellowish, purplish, all the ish, you know, like they're people. We are people. We all were, were created by Hashem, which again, takes away all of the ridiculous, uh, just ridiculousness that, oh, well, you're in that people group. So uh, you're in that religion or all that. Any kind of mentality that we would get. It's like if we don't hit the, the brakes and if we don't put out the road spikes and if we don't put up the brick wall to make ourselves stop, you know, and pull your rip cord on your uh, parachute and just stop. Like it's going to be an issue because because we're all people and we were all born from a a womb and we were all crying as a baby. And then we all crawled and walked and now we talk and all that kind of stuff. Like there's a whole growth thing that happens. So regarding other human beings with dignity and respect, that's what we have to do. And if a person has seen like they're so far from Hashem, remember the story I shared on Yom Tov Chag Hamatzot about Rabbi Eleazar ben Dordaya, who was considered to be one of the most wicked people of all his generation. And after his death, a voice from Shemaim spoke out and not only said that he obtained eternal life, but also that he now has reached the status of rabbi. So anyway, so may that be so for Notorious B.I.G. That would be really cool uh, if he because we don't know what shuva he made. You know, he, he was taken from life at an early time. So just because he looked like he was surrounded by drugs and all that kind of stuff, we don't know what was going on in his heart. So. That's how we judge people favorably. That's what that looks like. Amen. So anyway, back to Baba Kama 60B. I'm realizing that as I as I share what source I'm going to read, there's a big rabbi trail that happens. So not that I'm a rabbi, but I do what rabbis do. So, you know, thought that was interesting. So I want to really be on myself about just read the letter. Okay. Anyway. Rav Ami and Rav Asi. This, by the way, comes from Ish Pela. Shouts out to the boy. Uh, he's dropping this source here. And then I'm going to tag onto what he's saying. Anyway, um, Rav Ami and Rav Asi sat before Rabbi Yitzhak. Napaha. One sage said to Rabbi Yitzhak. Napaha. Okay, let the master say words of halakha, and the other sage said to Rabbi Yitzhak, Napaha, boy, that's hard to say. Okay, let the master say words of Agada. So one sage over here, you say halakha, another sage over here, you say Agada. Rabbi Yitzhak Napaha began to say words of Agada, but one sage did not tell him. So he began to say words of Halakha, but the other sage did not let him. Okay, 
So he began to say Agata, but one did not let him. The other one began to say Halaka, one did not let him. I misread that. Okay. Confusion view. But it's all right. So got a sage talking to two rabbis here. And I need one to say Halaka. I need one to say Agata. One begins to say the Agata, and then the other was like, no, I'm going to say my Halaka. And the other one's like, well, I'm going to say my Halaka. And then the other one's like, no, I'm going to say my Haggadah. Okay, so they're like not letting each other talk. Okay. So then it says, Rabbi Yitzhak Napaha said to them, I will relate a parable. To what can this be compared? It can be compared to a man who has two wives, one young and one old. The young wife pulls out his white hairs so that her husband will appear younger. The old wife pulls out his black hairs so that he will appear older. And it turns out that he is bald from here and from there. I.e. completely bald due to the actions of both wives. Rabbi Yitzhak Napaha continued and said to them, If so, I will say to you a matter that is appropriate to both of you, which contains both Halakha and Agata, because that's what we need to do. In the verse, or in the verse that states, If a fire breaks out and catches in thorns, Shemot, Exodus 22.5, the term breaks out indicates that it breaks out by itself. Yet the continuation of the verse states, the one who kindled the fire shall pay compensation, which indicates that he must pay only if the fire spread due to his negligence. The verse can be explained allegorically. Hakadosh Baruchu said that although the fire broke out in the temple due to the sins of the Jewish people, it is incumbent upon me. To, wow, it's incumbent upon me to pay restitution for the fire that I kindled. Goodness. So Hashem destroyed the temple. I just want to stop right there because the, the thing to pay attention to is people say, oh, you Jews, you killed the Mashiach. And as my Kala, the Avenger Hazira would say, she says, thank you. It's just like, wait, what? And that just throws people off. People are like, you're Jewish? I can't believe you killed Jesus. And it's like, you're welcome. And they're like, what? Anyway, so that's that shouts out to the homegirl, homegirl right there. But anyway, um, we look at the fact that Mashiach Yeshua himself said, no man takes my life. I lay it down willingly. Don't you remember the first Akira? Don't you remember the first son who laid his life down willingly? Genesis 22, does that ring a bell to anybody? Just asking. Anyway, I'm doing the same thing. All right. But anyway, um, Hashem over here is letting us know the same thing happened with the temple. People think, oh, man, Babylonians, they killed the temple. Oh, man, Rome, they killed the temple. And it's like, no, Hashem did it. Hashem destroyed the temple. The temple was already destroyed before it was physically destroyed. That's why if we look at the tablets being shattered, the tablets were broken before they were broken because the letters that held up the tablets, they left. The spirit that was in the body of Mashiach departed. So when he was pierced with the spear and the blood and water came out, everything was over. That was it. He was already gone. This was just a matter of fact now, you know, just go ahead and finish out the process. So same thing with the temple. 
Hashem took the glory of the temple away. If you read Yehezekiel, my favorite prophet, shouts out to the homeboy. Uh, hoped to uh, sit next to him in the heavenly yeshiva. That would be great. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, he has a whole few chapters about the glory of Hashem departing and how long that actually took. You know, and it took some time. It wasn't just all of a sudden the glory of Hashem is gone. It just, it slowly, 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 and then it's gone. And then finally the temple was able to be destroyed. Because other than that, it couldn't be destroyed. And so I say to you, my fellow Avengers, Lepidniks, Sarshalomis, and uh, people of Torah, how long is it going to take for you to be destroyed? Or better yet, can you be destroyed? Because that's the question we have to ask ourselves with this Omer. Because what this Omer is doing is as we're peeling back layers of the sin of Adam upon us, we're also putting on layers of armor. Okay, if I can refer you back to my previous podcast, the four-part series that I did on Haakamatsot, that in there I was going over the Ephesians 4.22 passage about taking off the old, putting on the new. And then refer you back to the Yom Tov Drash from Chag that I got to do at Tar Shalom. That what we received at the Seder and what we receive into the first, the beginning of the seven days of Chag the week of unleavened bread, we have received something. We have received armor. We have received power. We have received new life. We are new creations right now. And in these seven days, we're reenacting the seven days of the week spiritually so that by the time that the world physically is renewed, coming up in Tishrei, that what we're doing now becomes manifest then. That's how long it takes for these things to flush themselves out. It can be sooner if Hashem wants to make it so, which I'm totally fine with, which that would be absolutely great. But physical renewal comes at some point. And what we're doing now is important because remember, creation was thought to be in in mind anyway by Hashem and Nisan, which is the month we're in now, and then actually brought forth in Tishrei, which is why we count the years of the new year by Tishrei, because that's physical creation. And then we count the years by the months in Nisan, which is spiritual creation, because the months, when you count by month, it's all about renewal. It's all about um, regeneration, resurrection, atonement, revival. Like that's the, that's the whole thing about month because the month in Hebrew, the way you say month is chodesh, which comes from the word chadash, which is the word to be renewed. Okay. So you're literally in a cycle of renewal when you're counting the years by the months. And then you're in a cycle of physical renewal when you count the years by the years. And that's the difference between Tishrei and Nisan. So these seven days we're doing right now, we're bringing a spiritual renewal, not just to creation, but to the entire universe. So again, I was bringing up that when we're eating these matzot, that, that is our power source for everything that's getting amped up. And then now we're counting the Omer, that's now all the accessorizing that you can do to your suit. You know, like think of my, my Iron Man suit. You know, you put your base model on and everything and you can trick it out with all the different 
rockets and repulsors and then the, you know, the stabilizers for the flight and then, you know, what kind of shield face mask thing I want to have and all sorts of other fancy little doohickeys on it. That's what the counting of the Omer does. So how much effort and investment are you putting into counting the Omer every night? That's what's going on. So you're taking off the old, you're putting on the new. So that's importante. So as you're doing that, this will take us back to the temple and how it was indestructible until Hashem said it could be. Which is why I brought up in the Midrash Rabbah that it says that we had to take off our garments. We had to take off our jewelry. We had to take off the name of Hashem so that we could be rightly punished for the golden calf. So when it says we were stripped of our ornaments in Parsha Kitisa, that's the whole thing that happened. Because up until then, there, there was nothing that could be done to us for punishment. But once we took those things off and became subject to death again, now that's what happened. And we had to do that because we rebelled against Hashem and we forsook him for the worship and love of another, namely the golden calf. And I want to shout out Chetz at this point. Uh, Chetz, uh, the the Avenger Black Bolt, uh, who did a, a short video on the Chasm Sofer. And uh, he was talking about how Aharon uh bringing bringing that back up was Aharon responsible for the golden calf because if you look at the text about this will be a festival of Hashem for you tomorrow he actually saying tomorrow will be a bloodbath if you don't repent if you just look at the Hebrew text so anyway uh I shared his post uh on my um social media which is funny because Iron Man doesn't like posting stuff on social media but anyway I did and you can check his video out it's just incredible it has to do with salt and preservation and destruction all coming from the same place so yeah it's really cool so anyway so that's my question to us is are we uh indestructible or how long is it going to take for us to be destroyed because if we don't watch it and if we don't invest ourselves into these times we will be taken out because that's just a part of this season Again, the Omer goes through 13, say it with me, 13 stages of sifting. Part of it is roasted completely in the fire, and the other part of it is fed to the Kohanim. So just think about that for a moment, because that's what's going to happen to us. Part of us is going to completely get consumed in the fire of Hashem, and the other part's going to be for the partaking of in the holy and divine service. So between those two phases and the 13 stages to get to those two phases, that's really what we're looking at. So trying to get back to life as we were before Pesach, not a good plan. Again, to quote Iron Man, not a good plan. As he was talking to Loki about trying to take over the world with his Chitari army. But anyway, hopefully we're all going to be indestructible. I pray myself included because we need to armor up. Take every single every single omer, eat it. Every single piece of matzah, eat it. I was thinking about this as I was eating matzah just yesterday. And even even into next time, Bezrat Hashem, I get to eat more matzah. That there's this little meditation to do while you're eating. To where you're looking at the matzah, and remember I said in the drosh that you can you can compare the matzah to a Torah scroll. 
Torah scroll has these little lines with letters on them, and those lines are, are piercings. They're scored by a thorn, so it looks like stripes. And the Torah parchment is usually made out of the flesh of a kosher animal, you know? So you have this kosher sacrifice that's striped, and then letters of Hashem are written on it. And this is an example of black fire on white fire, which is what the actual Torah is. And so you're looking at the Torah scroll as you're looking at a piece of matzah because the matzah is also striped. And I noticed that the matzah is like scorched. Like there's these burnt sections on there. And I'm like, wow, you know, and so it's just kind of like, OK, black fire on white fire. That's the matzah. And I'm eating it. So I'm eating Torah right now. I'm eating the body of Mashiach. So what should that be doing to me? Because what you are, what you eat. You know, so you should be embodying Mashiach. You should be embodying the Torah. You should be embodying black fire on white fire, namely allowing the word of God to permeate everything that you are, forsaking yourself for his sake to find your true self. Because the thing is, we think our true self is, oh, I used to work at so-and-so place and I used to work at so-and-so place and I used to do this and I used to go there and I used to be a part of this group and I used to be a part of that group and I used to do this thing and I did this accomplishment and I used to travel here and I used to go there. It's like, that's not really who you are. Those are things you've gotten to do. But who are you? That's what we're getting to find out. And isn't it amazing that Hashem has placed us in isolation so that we can figure that out? Some people are going stir crazy and other people are thriving for it because it's just like, finally, I can be myself now. And it's like, may we all get to that point because we have to realize the heaviness of the time that we're in. No matter what death rates and everything looks like comparing nation to nation and all this kind of stuff, that's not the point. Let the media do what they're going to do. But you need to do what you're supposed to do. I need to do what I'm supposed to do. And that is get this redemption. Redemption can happen if we want it to. But we have to let go of ourselves. We have to let go of the former ways of doing things. We can and we should and we will usher in a new way of life. We just have to. If, again, I've said this so many times and I'll keep saying it again. If we want to go back to the way things were, COVID-19 will be the least of your worries. Seriously. You thought COVID-19 was ridiculous. How are you going to shut down the globe from a microorganism? That should strike fear in your heart and your mind and all through your body. Like, seriously, a microorganism that you don't know if you have it or not? And yet you're like, I can't wait till this goes away so I can give back to what I used to do. That puts tears in my eyes because I'm like, this is heavy. If we don't pay attention to that, then something's wrong with us. We need to take a bath in matzah at that point. Just fill up your tub with matzah and just sit in it and just think about your life for a minute. Anyway. What was I reading? Oh, yeah. Baba comma 60 B because the temple couldn't be destroyed until Hashem wanted it to be. And we should be the same way. We should not be able to be destroyed until we want to be. Because if we're truly about that redemption life, truly about that Hashem life, 
about elevating and elevating and being new and being new and being born again and being born again and being saved and being saved. That's the reality. So Hashem said, I will re- I will pay restitution for the fire that I kindled. I, God, kindled a fire in Zion, as it is said, Adonai has accomplished his fury. He has poured out his fierce anger and he has kindled a fire in Zion, which has devoured its foundations. Lamentations, which is Eka 4.1, uh, 4.11, Sleekah, 4.11, Eka 4.11, Lamentations 4.11. And it will or and I will rebuild it with fire in the future, as it is stated, for I, says Adonai, will be for her a wall of fire round about, and I will be the glory in her midst. Zachariah, Zechariah 2.9. And this all comes from Baba Kama 60B. Shouts out to each Pela for the drop. Now, here's the thing. Hashem heals which that, with that which wounds us. So fire destroyed our temple. Fire rebuilds our temple. This is the confusion on do we build a temple or does Hashem build a temple? The answer is yes, because we pray for it, right? Hopefully, right? And uh, those prayers, we're praying verses of scripture. And verses of scripture are compared to fire. Just read Jeremiah. It's not your word like fire, Hashem, right? So you keep going with that. As you're praying for Hashem to build a temple with verses of scripture, namely like reciting Zechariah 2.9 or Lamentations 4.11, you know, just a few verses like that. And Baruch HaBab Hashem Adonai, you know, the whole Tehillim 118, reciting that Psalm, Psalm 118, you're building a temple in fire, and Yeshua is working with us because he said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. So hold on to that and hold on to this. This is from Shavile Pincus, who I call Shonuf Pincus, and you'll see why. Taruma is a Torah portion, and this is on his commentary on page five and six. The Kedushat Levi which is a source that you should probably get if you can. Kedushat Levi. Um, there's a source in there that was saying, oh, that the, the Shekinah spoke through the mouth of Moshe to speak for the, the book of Deuteronomy. Kedushat Levi has stuff like that. So when Yeshua says, the words that I speak are not my words, but they're the words of the one who sent me, He's saying, yeah, guess who's speaking right now? Hashem, the Shekinah, the Shekinah is speaking to me because because that's the same thing that Moshe did. And I find it very interesting because mostly what Yeshua quoted was Devarim, which is the Shekinah's voice, which is Hashem's voice. So today, if you hear his voice, whose voice? The Shekinah's voice, Moshe's voice, Yeshua's voice, Hashem's voice? Yes. That's how you are led by the spirit, my friends. Says Kedushat Levi. Says that the third Beta Mikdash, the third temple, will represent both the Torah Shepkatav, 
which is the written Torah, and the Torah Shebaal Pei, which is the oral Torah. According to the Zohar HaKadosh, the Zohar, Pinkus 221a, the following pasuk, which is verse, is written about the third Beit HaMikdash, the third temple. Tehillim 147.2. Psalm 147.2 is written about the third temple, y'all. If you don't think there's going to be another temple, then you got to delete, 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 and do another delete on Tehillim 147. I don't know about you, but I don't feel comfortable telling David that he should get rid of a whole chapter of Psalm. That's something I don't want. Anyway, says Hashem me lishur hanuv. Um, not valid pointed, so sleek on that. But yes, that is the phrase, and it says the builder of Yerushalayim is Hashem. Wow. The builder of Yerushalayim is Hashem. Okay. So Hashem Yerushalayim Bone. That should be what it says. I think because copying Hebrew and pasting it, it rearranged the letters, which is so funny. So that's one thing you can do. But anyway, so there you go. Bone Yerushalayim Hashem or Hashem Yerushalayim Bone. Hashem is the builder of Jerusalem. That's beautiful. Because, you know, there's a new Jerusalem. Reading Revelation is going to come down. And it's looking like a bride and all that. Well, that there you go. Hashem built that. says, this indicates that HaKadosh Baruchu is destined to build, as it were, the third Beit HaMikdash, incorporating both the previous Beit HaMikdash. That's how you say two temples. Beit HaMikdash. Anyway, the third temple is a conglomeration of the first and the second temple. So that which was destroyed will be raised back up. And oh my gosh, there's two Mashiachs, but there are one. There are two temples, but there are one. And that's the third temple. Okay. Is that what is? Okay. The second Beit HaMikdash will stand up on the ground in full view. Second temple represents the Torah, Shabbat Pei, the, the oral Torah. So that's on the ground. And then on top of that, the first Beit HaMikdash, which represents the written Torah, will stand up on it, concealed like clouds of glory surrounding and illuminating it. So Sky City will be the first temple. So you'll have Ezra and Nehemiah's Arubable Temple on the bottom, which is the Oral Torah. And then on top of that, you'll have Shlomo's Temple uh, reaching into the clouds. And that's the third temple. Again, this is from Tehillim 147.2, Pankas 221a, Kedushat Levi, and Parsha Teruma, page 5 and 6 of Shavile Pankas for Parsha Teruma 5780. Okay. Going on, it says, in this matter, the third Beta Mikdash will incorporate birth or both birth it will be born okay the temple was going to be born it says uh both of the first two beit mikdash 
the second Beit HaMikdash representing the Torah Shabbat Pei, Oral Torah, will stand below a new and visible to all. So the temples are going to be resurrected. That That's just hold up a minute. You know, like that which was destroyed is going to be raised up again. Tear down this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days, Yeshua says. Because this is a precursor to what's going to happen to the temples. Mm. All right. So anyway, this is all going to happen in a day, by the way. The twinkling of an eye. It says that uh, the Beit the HaMikdash, okay, so we got the oral stand new visible. Here we go. Its existence corresponds to the novel insights in Torah, Shebet Al-Pei, the oral Torah, that HaKadosh Baruchu is destined to reveal to us. So the reason this is going to come back is because Hashem's like, no, 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 I got more oral Torah to give you. You think that the Talmud is something? Well, that's just the beginning. That's probably the tip of the iceberg if not less, say to the law. Okay. Then it goes on to say that the first Beit HaMikdash, however, representing the Shorot Sheba the written Torah, will stand above invisible. Say invisible. You know, they have a movie called The Invisible Man that came out just recently and I didn't watch it and I don't plan to, but it looked really creepy and disturbing. So I was just kind of like, no, thank you. Ain't nobody got time for that. Or at least I didn't, but to each their own. Um, yeah. Invisibility is totally a thing. Like just cause we can't see something doesn't negate its existence. This is why we have to understand the power of the blessings that we recite, the power of the Torah that we study, the power of the drashas we give, the power of the insights we share. And furthermore, the power of the comments that you post on Facebook as statuses, the pictures you post on Twitter and Instagram, those things do invisible things, whether for good or for bad. In Judaism, it's thought that when you do something positive and good, you create an angel. And when you do something negative and bad, you create a demon. So I'm just saying, are you creating angels or are you creating demons? Because that should always be in the back of your mind before you hit send or before you hit post or before you hit enter. If you're going to text somebody or speak to somebody or share something, you know, or whatever, record or video, is it going to create an angel or is it going to create a demon? So with that being said, this invisible temple here, it comes from the written Torah. And again, Shaul said this to the Corinthians. I've sourced it before. Don't have it in front of me, but I just want to let you know it's it's there. You can go look it up. You can literally Google this. The things that are invisible are eternal. The things that are visible are temporal. Selah. Who wants an invisible suit now? This guy. Okay. Anyway, the invisible and concealed like clouds of glory surrounding the second Beta Mikdash. So you're going to have the first temple standing on the second temple. So the written Torah is going to be on top of the oral Torah. And the, the written Torah temple is going to be invisible and concealed like clouds of glory. And it's surrounding it. So... The temple looks like it just kind of goes on up into the heavenlies. Uh, and the passages in um, 
I believe it's in Bamibar, and if not, it's Deuteronomy. It talks about our enemies as we're going into the land to conquer the the nations of Canaan. It says their wall. Oh, it's Deuteronomy, I believe chapter nine. It says their walls are fortified to the heavens. They're trying to do what the third temple was supposed to look is going to look like. So, turns out that tower that we wanted to build in Genesis chapter eleven, yeah, that's the temple. And we wanted to build a, a temple for our namesake so that we can go destroy Hashem in the heavens. But Hashem's like, no, that's not going to work. What you actually should be building instead of your tower of your own salvation, you should build the tower of salvation. Namely, the holy temple, which is the first and second temple put together. Because you have to have the written Torah and the oral Torah working together to reach and ascend. So going on, it says, for even then within the white of the cloth, which is interesting. I don't know what that word is of the Torah Shebekatav, the written Torah stored secrets will remain. After all, the Torah, which is the Chokmah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is infinite, the wisdom. So. Just so you know, that's that's a few things to take into account. And the Zechariah 2.9 verse brings down that those walls of Jerusalem are going to be fire. So that's commentary on uh, Zechariah 2.9 from Art Scroll. And so it brings up Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, commonly known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And those three gentlemen were Hebrew boys thrown into the fire by Nebuchadnezzar the same way that Abraham was thrown into the fire by Nimrod. Stav Soldat, one of our Avengers, brings down, could this be the same fire pit that they were thrown into? Because Babylon and uh, the place that Nimrod ruled over, same area. Anyway, <clears throat> but... In each situation, Abraham and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, like they were uh, delivered from that furnace. And that's the way the righteous are going to have to be in time to come. That we're going to have to be so consumed in the fire of Hashem that we walk through the gates of the new Jerusalem, which are completely fire. At least the walls are. Now, the gates are openings in those walls of fire, but it's going to be like we're literally walking into a fiery furnace. But it's Hashem's holy fire. Which just makes it interesting just to flip the picture and think about the fire of Gehenna and like what that must be like. So, hmm. Anyway, not that I have an answer for that. I just bring that up as a amusing moment that. There's a fire that we're impervious to, but then there's a fire that even in your spiritual form is going to destroy you and Gehenna. And Chasve Shalom that uh, we, any of us, have to go through Gehenna. And side note, if you don't want to go through Gehenna, be Torah observant because uh, Zohar and one of the Torah portions in Bami Bar brings down that those who purify themselves through the fiery Torah now save themselves from the fiery Gehenna later. So how on fire for Hashem are you? Because if you're not on fire now, you might want to work on that. And what a beautiful appointed time while we're in isolation to go ahead and set ourselves on fire.
Now, what do I mean, set yourself on fire? Let's let's start learning the corbinote, the sacrifices, the offerings. Let's start learning the prayers. There's a, a psalm that you recite for each day of the week. And these were in antiquity sang by the Levites. So in the temple, when you walk there, first of all, you take your shoes off and you go through a mikvah and then you put on new garments and you walk into the temple. It smells ridiculous in there because the ketoret, the incense, and then you got this beautiful, heavenly, angelic singing going on on the platform on one side. And directly across from that is the uh, the bronze altar, the copper altar where the sacrifices are going up and the smoke. And then you have the Kohanim and the Levites looking like angels going up and down that thing. And then you have the beautiful sight of the two temples stacked on each other going into the heavens, like disappearing into the clouds. And you're surrounded by Yehudim from all generations. You know, like the prophets are there. Moshe and Aharon are there. David's there. You know, Kepha's there. Shaul's there. Yochanan is there. Like everybody. You know, and so getting yourself into that mindset, be able to see that now. And, you know, how are you eating? How's your cost root level? You know, do you have kosher kitchen? You know, are you separating meat and dairy? You know, are you uh, do you know what an aliyah is? Do you know what the moftir is? Do you know what the haftar is? Do you know what the vasora is? Do you know what the agarit are, the igarot, the letters, you know? Contrary to popular knowledge, Kepha, Shaul, Yochanan, uh, Yaakov, Yehuda, those aren't the only people that wrote letters. Rambam wrote letters. Um, the Tanya, the Bahatanya, he wrote letters. So there's all sorts of letters that are out there. The Gra, he wrote a letter. So there's all sorts of letters that we should take into account. So, yeah, and getting on the calendar for crying out loud, goodness, uh, that's my topic that I wanted to cover with the sign of Yona. So I'll start a new podcast for that. But just want to end on this note that the way to consume yourself and be set on fire is to do these things. Fill up on Torah, fill up on prayer, you know, get to know the halakhic times at specific points in the day. When is nightfall? When's sunrise? When is midnight? Midnight is not 12 a.m., Okay. It can be 1130 sometimes. It can be 230 sometimes. It just depends on the halakhic time. It depends on the times and the seasons. By the way, do you know the times and the season? Do you know all of the Yom Tovs that Hashem told us we should celebrate? Because that's in Leviticus 23. And, you know, do you know the Torah portions and what they mean? Do you know what the Talmud is? And do you know what this, the categories of Talmud are? Do you know um, what each um, tractate means? You know, and as I was podcasting, I found out Menachot means grain offerings. And obviously, if you want to learn about the Omer, you should read Menachot. So I was like, ah, oh, well, that was embarrassing. But tis the season. The more embarrassed I can be, Baruch Hashem, because I got to fix it. <laughs> anyway, Teshuva. It's not easy and it's not fun, but it's awesome. And then, uh, you know, so just think about those things. And, uh, you know, do you know what the letter bet is, what it means, what it stands for? How How is the gematria and what does it interchange with? 
And did you know the bet is the letter that's inside the letter pay? Yeah. So if you're thinking pay, you're thinking bet. And if you're thinking bet, you're thinking pay because they're inside of one another. So, yeah. So if you think about it, so look at the letter pay and then inside the letter pay, there's this little line. There's this little white space that kind of curves that is said to be the letter bet. So inside the letter pay is the letter bet. So these are the things that we should do to set ourselves on fire. Get to learn all of this stuff and anticipate the arrival of Mashiach like any day. We don't know exactly when. And that's cool because if you're observant, it teaches you to be ready every morning, every afternoon and every night. So like you never go like, oh, surprise, he's here. Oh, my gosh. Because if you follow everything, like I just laid out before you, you're always ready. Because we are to see ourselves as coming out of Egypt every mo- every night and every morning. And then when we go into Minka, that's like a, a, the, the highest, most impactful time of prayer. So whether he shows up at any point in the day, we're ready to go. There is oil in the proverbial lamp. So as I like to say now, let's get this redemption. <laughs>